<clears throat> this is Daf Cafe in Masachet Anit. We will begin on Daf Kafdal at Amud Bet, three lines from the bottom of the Amud at the last two words of the line Amarav. But it's actually Amarav Yehuda Amarav. Bechol yom vayom bat kol yotzeit veomeret kol haolam kulo nizon bishvil chanina beni vechanina beni dayo bekav charuvim meerev Shabbat erev Shabbat. Every day. A divine voice goes out and states that the entire universe, the entire world, is sustained only because of Chanina my son. And Chanina my son, it's enough for him with a kav, with a small amount of carobs from Friday to Friday, meaning each week he needs very little to actually sustain him, but the entire world is sustained only because of him. His wife used to heat up the oven every Friday. She would put something in to burn, make smoke because she didn't want to show that actually she didn't have anything to bake there. There was nothing actually baking in the oven. <coughs> so to give the impression that she was baking something, she would put something to create smoke. And uh, she had a certain mean neighbor, a bad neighbor. She said, She said, I know that they don't have anything. Uh, so what is all the smoke that comes out of their oven each week? She went and knocked on the door on a Friday. So Rabbi Hanina's wife was embarrassed. She went into the inner room and a miracle happened. That the neighbors saw that actually the oven was full of bread. She saw that also the, uh, the mixing bowl was full of uh, dough. Amrala. Planita, planita, aiti, masa, She said, Mrs., Mrs., hurry, bring a, uh, something to remove the bread from the, uh, from the oven. <clears throat> some kind of a, uh, some kind of a fork or something to remove the, uh, bread from the oven. Because it's about to get burned. Amrala, af Rabbi Khanina's wife said, that's exactly what I went to get. I went to get, um, uh, I went to get a, uh, uh, something to remove the bread from the oven. And Tana Afila the truth is that she actually did go to bring something to remove the bread from the oven, because she knew that a miracle would happen to prevent them from being embarrassed in front of the neighbors. So Hashem made a miracle that there was bread in the oven when there really wasn't supposed to be. <clears throat> the Bach on the side corrects here to say, Haita. Uh, oh, Haita was the it was the end of the previous sentence. Now Amrala Devitu, Amrali Le Devitu. So his wife said to him, meaning Rabbi Chanina ben Dosa's wife said to him, Ad me'emat nizavinit te'er kolei. How long are we going to suffer like this? Amrali said to her, Amai Navid, what should I do? Be'orachamei. Then it vulach me. So she said, Why don't you pray to Hashem? You make miracles for everyone else. Uh, pray to Hashem that He should make you a miracle. Give us something. Ba'achamei. So He did. And yes, like in pisat yad, a certain like hand, the vision of a hand came forth. Vi'avulei. It was one leg of a golden table that was worth a lot of money, and of course that would therefore provide them with lots of money uh, to be able to, to to live more comfortably. And chazia b'chilma. But then he saw in a dream. He saw that everybody in Olam Abba was eating on a golden table that had three legs. But in his case, <clears throat> the way that the uh, correction of the texture look is and he he had only two legs on his table. In other words, he saw 
that uh, in Olam Abai was going to be disadvantaged because he took this windfall. Amar, uh, and so he said, Amarla, he said to her, meaning he said to his wife, Is it good for you? He said to his wife, you want to be able to, when everyone else, all the other tzaddikim in Olam Abai are eating on a full table, you want to have a deficient table. In other words, you're taking basically an advance on your reward for Olam Abai. She said to him, oh my Navid, what can we do now? We already took it. He prayed again, so uh so he uh, uh so in other words he said uh uh, so she said, "What should we do?" And said, uh, "Pray that it should be taken away from you." So Bayerachame he did that vishaklu, and Hashem took back the golden uh, table leg. So in other words, she suggested him to pray again, and this time the, they reversed the miracle. The rabbis taught that actually the latter miracle of the taking back was greater than the original one, but the miracle because we have a tradition because we have a tradition that they'll give you, but they won't take back. In other words, there's no returns. So to speak, to heaven. Chad Beishimshe, one Friday, Chazil Brate de Havat Atziba. He saw on Friday night that his daughter was very sad. Amarla, he said to her, Biti, my daughter, Lamay Atzibat, why are you so upset? Amarla, she said to him, Kalishel Chomet, Chalebli, Kalishel Shemen. I, instead of putting oil in the Shabbat candles, I put vinegar. Vidlakti, Mimenu, or the Shabbat, and that's what I lit. The light for Shabbat, so it's going to go out because it's vinegar. Amarla said to her, "Biti, my What does it matter to?" He said to her, "Misha, Amarla Shimon Vidlok." The same one who said that oil should burn, or Yomar Chometz Vidlok. He will also say that the, that the vinegar will burn. In other words, it's Hashem's will anyway. So Tanai Yodolik Volech Kol Yom Kulo. Achevim Men Ol Avdalah. Not only did it last for Friday night, but it burned all the way through Shabbat, and they even used that fire Motzei Shabbat for the Avdalah. Rabbi Chana Ben Dosa Havulei Hanach Izei. Rabbi Chana Ben Dosa had certain goats. Amule, they said to him, Kamaf Sidan. They told him that these goats are actually causing damage uh, to other people's property. So, what did Rabbi Chanan Ben Dosa do? He said that Amar I Kamaf Sidan Nichlinu Dubei. If they're actually damaging other people's property, let bears come and eat them. Vilav, and if not, Kol Chadam Chadat. Then let each one of these goats carry a bear home in its horns tonight. I take Kol Chadam Chadat Duba Bekarnayu, and it actually happened. <clears throat> that each one of the goats brought back a bear in its horns, meaning to say that they were not damagers after all. It was just a false accusation. <laughs> there was a certain neighbor of Rabbi Chanan Mendoza, the Kabbanya Betash, who was building a house, and the boards of the house did not reach far enough from one end of the house to the other. She said to, she came to Rabbi Chanan Mendoza, and she said, and she said to him, I built my house, and the, the, the planks are not long enough. What is your name? He said, my name is Iku. He said, Iku, may your boards extend. May they, uh, may they reach the other side. And uh, miraculously, not only did it, did it work, but they extended an Amma past on either side of the house. So they went extra far. Some say that even uh, from the, that extra space that they extended, another wall came down and there was an extra room added on either side. Basically, an extra enclosed space added on either side, side of the house. Uh, Tanya, it says in the Bible, said, I saw that house. I saw that, that house, that the planks extended in Amman either side. And they said to me, This is the house that Rabbi Chanina Ben Dosa 
roofed with his tefillah because he prayed for the boards to be long enough to uh, meet the needs of the builder. Now we said before that Rabbi Chanan ben Dosa was extremely poor. They didn't even have bread to eat. How did he have goats that were accused of causing damage? Right? And uh, the... Um, the Gra has some extra words that he actually cuts out, but it, and it says Vahaniu. These words here, the Gra cuts out. He was poor, right? Vahaniyave. He was poor first of all. And furthermore, you're not supposed to to raise small animals in Eretz Yisrael. Now it turns out that Rabbi that the Gra erases the this uh, line. But either way, the point is that how did he have it since he was poor? What happened was that one time a person visited Rabbi Chanina ben Dosa and he left chickens there. And the, and the wife of Rabbi Chanan ben Dosa found these chickens. And he said to her, Do not eat from their eggs because this doesn't belong to us. They had a lot of eggs. And, uh, and therefore there were a lot of chickens. So there were too many. After a while they reproduced so much that there were too many chickens. So they sold them. So they purchased goats with the, uh, with the proceeds. Uh, of the chickens uh, that they sold. So one day, the original person who had lost the chickens came by Rabbi Chanan Dosa's house. He said to his friend, "This is where I left my chickens." Right? Rabbi Chanan heard that. Do you have any identifying feature that you can give me that would show that those chickens that I had actually were yours? Because that's if you collect a lost object, you have to be able to show that it really belonged to you. Amalu said to him. And yes, Natan Osimani told him how he could identify those chickens, that they really were his. And Venatalataizin, right? And, uh, and instead, he took the goats. In other words, basically, he said, These are your, uh, these goats are what I bought with the proceeds of your chickens. When these were the same goats that were mentioned above that brought the uh, bears in their horns. Rabbi Elazab became uh, Tuva. It happened that he was extremely poor. And Avad Milta, he had to have bloodletting for medical reasons. But he didn't have anything to eat. And you have to always eat something after you have bloodletting because it restores the uh, blood sugar and so on. So what did he do? He took uh, a, uh, a little uh, piece, um, a, a leaf of a uh, garlic, and Vishadyap Umain he ate that. Halash the became very weak, Vinim, and he ended up passing out, he ended up falling asleep. Azura Banan the The rabbis came to check on him. They saw that he was crying and laughing. And also they saw that a beam of light was shining from his face. When he woke up, they said to him, Why did you cry and then smile or laugh? And he said to them, In my dream, Hashem was with me. And they said to him, Ad Matayet Ter Bayalma. Right? And, um, and he, and he says, and I said to him, I said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how long am I going to suffer in this world so poor like this? And he said to me, Elazar, Muni, my son, Elazar, Nichalach, Tabchela Alma Merasha, Evshar, Demit Yaladet, Bishata, Dimzonei. He said, maybe, Hashem said to Rabbi Elazar, maybe you would like me to, to destroy the world, start it over again, and then maybe you'll be born at a time that is more plentiful where you will have the good fortune of having lots of money and having lots of, uh, lots of sustenance. So I said to Hashem, you mean you're going to destroy the entire world and recreate it just because maybe, maybe I'll be able to have money then? You mean it could be that you'll do the entire thing over again and I won't, right? So I said to him, is, is what I am going to, what I already lived more 
or what I'm going to live. In other words, have I passed the halfway point of my life? Are there more years ahead or more years already behind me? Amale, the chayat, he said to him that what you already lived is more, meaning you're closer to the end of your life than the beginning. So Amre, Amri, I said to him, before him, so I said, don't, don't recreate the world because I'm all, already closer to the finish line than to the beginning. I might as well just stick it out. Amarli, Hashem said to him, Behaigra. For the, for the reward that you said you don't want me to recreate the world for you, that um, So Hashem said, because of the, your reward for not asking me to create the entire world over again, is that you're going to have 13 rivers of balsam oil that is pure that look like the Euphrates and the Diglat rivers that you're going to be able to enjoy in Olam Baba. Amri lekamei said before Hashem, Hai v'tulo, that's it. Amar li, so Hashem said to me, lechavrech ma'ayahivna, what am I going to give to your friends if I give you everything? Amri le, so I said to Hashem, v'ana migavwa, deled le'bayna, I'm not asking from somebody who doesn't have it, I'm asking from Hashem. Ma'achian be'skolta apotei, so he like snapped his finger on my forehead. V'amar li, elazar b'ri, geri b'ach geri. So he said, um, Hashem said, in, she explains jokingly, meaning uh, lightheartedly, he said, uh, I'm smacking you with my, uh, with my arrows, because he snapped his head, and that was why the shining light came from his forehead. So the point is that, why did he cry? He cried when Hashem said that even if I recreate the world, it'll still just be a maybe uh, that you're able to uh, uh, be born at a time that you will... Uh, uh, that that you will have, uh, you know, mizonot that you'll be able to survive comfortably. And then when he heard about the reward in Olam Haba, he, he smiled. And then, of course, the shining of the head was when Hashem snapped his finger on Rabbi Elazar's head. This all happened, of course, in his dream. But the point was that that was why they saw him having the reactions he was having. Rabbi Chama Bachanina Gazartanita. One time, Rabbi Chama Bachanina declared a fast. No rain came. Amulei they said to him, When Rabbi Shoben Levi used to declare fasts, the, the rain would come. Amalu he said to them, This is me. That was Bar Levi. In other words, Ben Levi is Rabbi Shoben Levi. He had a different level of zechut. Amule, they said to him, maybe if we get together and we all pray with a good concentration, maybe the people will break their hearts when they see us all praying, and then the, uh, and the rain will come. They prayed, but the rain still didn't come. Amalu, he said to them, so he said to them, in other words, um, that uh, would you, so now that it hasn't worked, the communal fast hasn't worked. So, uh, so, so therefore, Rabbi Chana, Rabbi Chama Bar said, "Is it okay with you if the rain comes for us because of our zechut?" Amalehen, they said, "Yes." So, or uh, So he said, "Heaven, heaven, cover your face, meaning cover your face with clouds." Lo, it didn't happen. So he said, "How hard, how uh, Im- how uh, impudent are the face of the uh, is the face of the heavens that it doesn't listen?" So then, finally, it was covered with clouds and it rained. In other words, he argued, so to speak. Um, uh, he said, "How how can you be so impudent, so rude, not to uh, uh, not to respond to me when I'm telling you to cover the." Uh, uh, to cover yourselves with clouds, and finally the clouds came and the rain came. Levi Levi declared a fast, and the rain didn't come. He said before Hashem, He said, "You went up and you sat in the in the most high place, and you don't have mercy on your children." Uh, the rain came, but but then he became lame. In other words, he suffered an injury 
because of the rude way that he spoke to Hashem. Therefore, Rabbi Lazar said that a person should never say sort of like challenging things, inappropriate things before, to, to Hashem. Because a great man did so, and he became lame. And who was it? It was Levi. Is that really why he became lame in his leg? One time Levi tried to show a fancy type of bowing that's very difficult to execute. He tried to show that in front of Rebbe, and that was when he became lame. The answer is that both of them were the cause. In other words, because he had said those inappropriate things, he had a punishment coming to him, and then at the moment that he went to do the bowing, that was when the punishment was delivered, that he, it caused him to become lame. Rabbi Chia Bar Luliane heard certain clouds that said, Let's go bring rain to Ammon and Moab. So Rabbi Chia said, Master of the world, When you wanted to give the Torah to the Jewish people, you went to all of the nations of the world and they didn't accept it. Now you're going to give rain to them. So he said, So it says, Put the rain here. So it says, So the rain came to the Jewish people instead of going to Ammon and Moab. What does it mean when it says that a tzaddik sprouts like a, uh, like a cedar, right? And grows like a seed. I'm sorry, that tzaddik that he's like a date palm. And he's like a cedar in Lebanon. If it already told us Tamar that he's like a date palm, why does it say that he's like a cedar? And if it says already cedar, why does it have to say date palm? If it just told us that he was like a date palm and not like a cedar, I would have thought. When it comes to a date palm, if you cut down the trunk of the date palm, uh, it doesn't go back. Maybe you'll say that the tzaddik is also the same way. And Rashi says that means in lo zecher. Tzaddik en gizom machlif. In other words, that uh, he doesn't have any future. He, that once he dies, that's it. He's not going to come back in tchiat hamitim. He has no future. Maybe you'll think that. So therefore, it mentions erez because erez, um, if it's cut, the, uh, it grows back. So too, if the tzaddik dies, he comes back. Same thing, if it only said, a, uh, it mentioned only the case of the cedar, and it didn't mention the case of the date palm, you would say, just like the cedar doesn't bear fruit, so to the tzaddik doesn't bear fruit, in other words, he doesn't have any, there's no fruit, there's no reward for his deeds. That's why it says, tamar, a date palm, that creates fruit, and it also says, eres. So in other words, one is to teach you that there he has a future in Tchiyat HaMetim, and the other is to teach you that he has a reward in this world. Is it really true that a cedar re- regenerates? If you cut its trunk, it regenerates. If a person buys a tree from his friend Lakutz in order to cut it down for firewood, in other words, he doesn't buy the actual tree itself, he just buys the right to take the wood from it, but he has to leave enough that it'll regenerate. So he has to leave a tefach of the stump, the kotzitz. Uh, if it's a, uh, a sycamore tree, then it has to be two tefachim off the ground. But dulat shikma, if it's a uh, if it's one that is a uh, a new, it's one that's never been cut before. In other words, if it's one that's already been older, that's a sedana shikma. So then it's two tefachim. If it's brand new, shlosha tefachim. Bekanim When it comes to uh, different kinds of uh, uh, reeds and uh, and vines, so then from the knot and above. In other words, you have to leave enough of it that it can regenerate from there. 
right? And then when it comes to a dekel, it comes to a date palm, and it comes to a cedar, he might as well just dig the entire tree out. If he bought the rights to have the wood, then he's basically going to destroy the tree. Because he can't cut it in any way that it'll regenerate anyway. So by buying it for the wood, that means he's buying the whole thing. So, uh, so you see from there, you see a cedar doesn't regenerate. So that's talking about other kinds of cedars. There are ten different kinds of cedars. Some of them have the property that they are that they do not regenerate. Some have the property that they do. And so when it spoke about the regenerating one, that was the type of eres that does regenerate. When it talked about the kinds that don't, it's speaking about the sorts that do not regenerate. It depends which one we're talking about. It happened with Rabbi Eliezer that he declared 13 fasts, the whole series of 13 fasts on the community of Shamim, and in the end, the, the rain didn't come. At the end, everyone started to go home. They said, well, we did 13 fasts, we're done, there's nothing we do. We said to them, he said to them, did you set up graves for yourselves? I mean, you're getting, now that the 13 fasts are over, you're just like, okay, we're done with our obligation of doing the fast, but what are you going to eat? So when he said that, they all started crying, and the rain came. Another situation was Rabbi Eliezer. He went down as the Chazan and he said, all 24 of the Bachot for a festival, he wasn't answered. Then Rabbi Akiva got up. Rabbi Akiva said the famous lines that now became an entire tefillah, our father, our king. We have no king other than you. For your sake, have mercy on us. And all of a sudden, the rain came from the two word, two lines that Rabbi Akiva said. Everyone was saying, hey, obviously Rabbi Akiva must be greater than Rabbi Eliezer. What's going on here? And a divine voice came out and said, It's not because one's greater than the other, but because Rabbi Akiva was extremely forgiving. Because he was so forgiving, so he was a, he, that special midah that he had, that he was so forgiving, and he never... Uh, uh, you know, held to his honor. That was the great zechut that he had that caused the rain to come. How much rain has to come down to allow the uh, people to, to interrupt their fast? In other words, what's considered to be a significant amount of rainfall that we can justify that it's rained and we're okay. So, uh, so it says, Rabbi Meir says, the, uh, the, the, uh, the depth of the, uh, the rain has to penetrate to the depth that the piece of the um, the plow that is bent into the ground to create the furrow, that it, it has to be as deep as that goes. That's how deep the rain has to penetrate, according to the rabbi say it depends what kind of dirt, because if it's dry, it has to go to If it's in the middle, it has to be too. And if it's already worked, it's already uh, land that's been... Uh, Plowed, so then it has to go three tefachim. In other words, if it's very hard, we don't expect it to penetrate as much. The same amount of rain that will penetrate one tefach in totally dry land will penetrate three tefachim in soft, totally worked uh, land. And that's the amount that signifies that there's been a significant rainfall and we can stop fasting. Uh, yeah, that whenever a, tef- a rain falls a tefach from heaven, Three tefachim of water from the deep, from underneath, comes up to help it to irrigate the land. Vatanya, didn't we learn tefachim that it's two? depends. If the ground is already plowed and softened up, so then, uh, uh, so then the the water goes uh, much further down than 
than than it would if the uh, uh, you know than than if it was dry if it was dry ground, and so it's so Rashi explains how they get a difchaim v'tulo ba'avuda the afalgav nechrosu teva karka purtau dinachit. So in other words, if it's not worked, so then the only response you're going to get from below was also a limited response. Okay, so uh, but if it's if it's ground that is soft, and therefore the rain penetrates even further, so then the response, so to speak, from the tahom, from the waters of the depth, will be greater. It will be uh, it will be three tvachim instead of only two tvachim. When the uh, when they pour the water libation on Sukkot, one source of water says to the other one, uh, "Bring forth your rain." In other words, the lower waters, the water that comes from underneath the ground, and the water that comes from heaven, they say to each other, "Let's bring the rain." I hear two friends. What are the two friends? The pouring of the wine and the pouring of the water on the Mizbeach that was done on Sukkot. Like it says, one depth calls to the other from the sound of your pipes. And those pipes mean the uh, tubes that they would pour, the, uh, they would pour the wine in one and the, and the water in one that would go down under the Mizbeach. So that, sig- that causes, so to speak, the rain to come and the water to come up from the depths. I personally saw Ridya, who is the angel in charge of the water. Damele Igla, he looks like a cow. He has a split lip. And he stands between the upper waters and lower waters. And um, and, uh, and um, so to the upper waters, he tells the upper waters to uh, uh, to bring down the water. Um, and, uh, and he tells the, uh, he tells the, in other words, he tells the, um, and uh, to bring them down and he tells the, uh, lower waters to come up. In other words, he's the one who commands each one to, uh, to do what it's supposed to do. Now, where do we get this idea from? It's going to mention a Pasuk, uh, where we derive that, uh, unusual idea, but the point is that this one angel is commanding the waters up that are above to come down and the waters that are below to come up. So where do we get that from? Uh, this is a pasuk from Shira uh, Shirim that's really referring to the beginning of the springtime. So, but it's, it says, So she explains, and again, it's only pseudo Rashi, it's not the real Rashi, we know that. But anyway, it means, That means like the buds of the flowers. But he's saying, the nisuchim, when the pouring of the libations appear in the land. It's only once a year, just like the springtime happens only once a year. That's the next part of the Pasuk. The time of the Zamir, it's a certain type of bird that sings. The time of the Zamir, but it's interpreted metaphorically here as Zmirot the singing of the holiday. In other words, the time of the holiday has arrived. As kol ator nishma baratzenu, right? The pasuk says v'kol ator nishma baratzenu. The sound of the Torah, which again is another type of bird, is heard in the land. But it's saying no. We're talking about a malach that looks like a shor, that looks like a um, an ox, and it's saying that this angel looks like an ox. So the idea is that instead of interpreting the pasuk literally, that it means that. Um, Spring is starting. I see the flowers budding, and I see different birds. It says no. When the then when the sukhamayim and the sukhayayin are being done on Sukkot, the pouring of the libations on the altar on Sukkot, then 
and and that uh, and we hear the sounds of the holiday. Then I see a an ox like angel that is commanding the water to come and irrigate the land. Now the Gemara says, If it begins to rain before sunrise, says, If the rain begins before Anetzachama, meaning before they really started the fast officially, because even though we started the fast at Amud uh, we started at dawn, uh, really if that's because of, out of a doubt of when exactly the day begins, but um, but the, uh, the, the, uh, the full... Uh, full sense of day is not until a nitzachama, and uh, therefore, if it if it's it's not fully enforced the fast until a nitzachama, and therefore, uh, if it if it rained before that, you wouldn't have to make the fast at all. Rabbi Yehuda, according to Rabbi Yehuda, depends if it was chatzot or not. If they spend half the if they haven't spent half the day fasting yet, then it's not completely completely considered a fast day yet. And if it rains, they can cancel the fast. But if they already made it to chatzot. Midday and they're still fasting. They have to finish. Rabbi Yosi Omer Kodem Tet Shaot Leishnim Lachad the Shaot Leishnim. It's up to nine hours, which on a day that goes from six a.m. to six p.m. would be at three p.m. In other words, up till then, if it rains before that time, they don't have to finish the fast. But if it's after that time, they have to finish those remaining three hours. And how do we get that from Shikem Matzu Achav Melech Yisrael Shitanam Mitesh Shaotul Mala? Because we find that Achav, the king of Israel, when he was informed of the terrible things that were going to happen to the Jewish people, he fasted just from the third hour of the meaning from nine o'clock. Uh, I'm sorry, from the ninth hour of the day, meaning three p.m. until the end of the day, he fasted, and yet it was considered a fast. Because Hashem said, "Look at how Achav has been humbled, and he's fasting." So even though it was only three hours, the point is that normally the kings didn't eat until that time anyway. They got up very late, and they didn't eat until late in the day. And he was coming up to his meal time, and he fasted the rest of the day. That's considered a fast. So therefore, once you get to that that point where Achav started fasting. So, uh, officially, so if you're still fasting, you have to finish the fast. But if the rain happened any time before that, you could cancel the fast. That, so, they have three opinions. One says that if the rain happened before the sun went up, then uh, they don't have to keep the fast. Another says, no, even after the sun comes up, if, if the, as long as it rains before Chatzot, they don't have to keep the fast. And then a third opinion says, as long as it hasn't rained uh, till 3 p.m., they have to finish the fast. But if it rains before 3 p.m., they don't have to finish the fast. Gemara says, Rabbi Yudan Nesiyah Gazartanita. One time Rabbi Yudan Nesiyah declared a fast. The rain fell after sunrise, but before Chatzot. We thought that we should hold like Rabbi Meir and we should have to finish the fast since, it, since the relief didn't come until after sunrise. So it says, that we hold like the middle opinion. That Chatzot is the defining moment. If it rains before Chatzot, then you don't have to finish the fast. If it rains after Chatzot, then you do have to finish the fast. Shmuel HaKatan, Gazartan Nita. Shmuel HaKatan declared a fast. And the rain fell before sunrise. The people thought, wow, that shows what a great shevach. It shows something great about us that Hashem responded so quickly. They said, don't be so quick to praise yourself. I'll tell you an, an analogy what this is like. It's like a person who asks for a reward from his master. He says to them, he said, no, it's like Hashem, a person wants something. And uh, uh, from the master, and the master says, just give it to him. I don't even want to hear him. Meaning Hashem, before we even started the prayers of the fast, just wanted to give us the rain so he wouldn't have to hear us. It could be a negative. Not a positive. One time, 
Shmuel HaKadhan declared a fast and it was the opposite. It, uh, it didn't rain all day, but then at sunset, when it was coming to a close, it rained. Because people said, oh, that shows that our fast was accepted because as the fast was ending, we got the rain. It's not really a praise of the people because I'll give you an example. It's like a, a, set, a servant that wants a prize from the master and the master says... Let him suffer first. Let him be worn down and then I'll give it to him. Right? Meaning he didn't really want to give it to us but he, he wanted us to suffer first. So that's not such a shevach. That's not such a praise. According to Shmuel, if that's true, when the rain comes early, you say it's because Hashem doesn't want to hear from us. When the rain comes late, you say it's because Hashem wanted to torture us. So when is it really a response to our prayer? When is it a positive? Only when it's an immediate response to the prayer. When he says, the wind blows, and when he says, the rain comes down, that shows that the zechut of the tzibur, the zechut of the people is active. But any other time, we can read it another way. We can interpret it as a criticism of the tzibur, a negative thing, not necessarily a positive thing. Uh, we, this is going back to our previous Mishnah, it spoke about how they once declared a ta'anit in Lod, and uh, because the uh, because the tsara, because the uh, difficulty was resolved, the uh, uh, the um, the crisis passed early on. They didn't have to finish the fast, and in that particular case, it was a um, it, it was uh, the, and after that they went. The point was that the uh, <clears throat> that the rain fell before Chatzot, like we said, and Rabbi Tafon told everyone to uh, go home and eat and drink, meaning they could break the fast because it was before Chatzot, and they hadn't made most of the day a fast day. And then, and then they in the afternoon they read Halela Gadol. So the question is, why, Halela Gadol is the Mizmor of Teilim that uh, follows the Aleph Bet, and each time says Kile Olam Chazdo, Kile Olam Chazdo. That we read as part of the Psuket Zimra on Shabbat. Now it says, Why didn't they say Halel first and then go home and eat? said that you don't want to say Halel unless you have a satisfied soul and a full belly. You don't want to say it when the people are still hungry because they've been fasting all day. Any is that true? Didn't once happen that Rav Papa came to the synagogue of He said, Isn't it true that one time they declared a fast there and the rain fell before Chatzot, so therefore they said Halil and then went home and ate and drank? It's different over there because people had a tendency to be drunk. So therefore, in other places where people will go home and eat and drink in moderation and then will come back and say halil and not be drunk, so that's okay. But in a case where uh, where we're concerned that they might get inebriated and then come back drunk, so we say the halil before we send people home to eat and drink. That is the conclusion of the Perek and Bezad Hashem. The next year we'll begin Perek Revi'i.